Amen. What a, an equation to rejoice. That's what it's all about, isn't it? And so, uh, so this morning, uh, for those who don't know who I am, my name is Erica. And so today we're continuing our series on growing in knowing. And it's a series that we started in the beginning of this month. And so before we start, I just want to take a moment to pray. Hallelujah. Lord, I just want to thank you, God, for your word. I want to thank you for the word that has been spoken, Lord God, just in the last weeks, Lord God, as we've been learning and, and just hearing your voice, oh God, hearing your words spoken to us, Lord. And so today, Lord, I just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come to speak to your people, illuminate the minds, Lord God, to your word, to what you want to speak specifically to every individual here, Lord. And so I ask you to move in a mighty way, Lord Jesus, today. It's not about the vessels who speak, Lord God, but it is about your word that impacts our hearts. So we invite you today, Lord, come speak to us, Lord God. We come humbly, Lord God, longing to hear what you would say to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning, so in the last few weeks, we've been learning just what it is to grow in knowing. Pastor Mona started this series saying, and I really like this quote, if you can go to the next slide. She says, the more we know God and his love for us, the more we grow in our understanding and the more it should affect the way we live life. And she talked about how the Apostle Paul, you know, how he had his own perception of what the serving God looked like until he encountered God, and it totally transformed his life and how he viewed life and how he viewed others. And we saw that even in just in the actions and how he responded to people where he was persecuting the church, putting people to death, and now he was giving up his rights and his life for others. And so we see how it just just traumatically, not traumatically, but drastically changed his life. And last week, oh, she also put a quote here from Blackaby, and I also wanted to bring it because it's just, I find it, it's just so poignant in the, in the light of everything that we're learning about growing and knowing in God. So if you really know and believe that God is love, you will also accept the fact that his will is always best. When you understand that he has his best in view for you, then it is easier to respond to in obedience to what he's asking. And Doug last week talked about, you know, the two ways of measuring success because when you think about how you evaluate your life and the decisions you make and the, the course of actions you take, it is often that there's two ways of measuring those decisions. It's either from a worldly point of view or from heaven's point of view, how God views things. And so much of how we measure our own value is through the, the world's success system. And some of us try to beat that system. Some of us rebel against that system. Some of us just kind of comply to that system and saying, well, you know, I'm okay just being a second-rate citizen or second-rate person. And some of us just try to achieve, you know, a, a, just trying to make it according to what the, stand, the standards of this world says success is. And I like what he said, you know, he says, he said that we are always following something or someone, and something or someone is always leading us somewhere. And the question is, is what is leading you? Who is leading you? What are you following? Who are you following? And so knowing God impacts how we see ourselves 
and how we evaluate and measure life. And so today I also wanted to talk about the beautiful wonder of knowing God and growing in our understanding of God impacts how we see him. Now, if I was to ask you, you know, today, when you think of God, how do you picture him in your mind? What is your heartfelt view of God? When you, you know, take time to ponder about who God is to you, what comes up to your mind? What is, what is that heartfelt view that you have of him? When you come to reading the word, are you already starting reading the word with that presupposition that I'm going to be in trouble? I'm going to be judged. Or I'm going to have to live up to a standard that I can't measure up to. Or do you see God in the fullness of, of who he is? And we're going to be talking about the glory of the Lord and what that means to understand the glory of the Lord. And so this understanding and that heartfelt view uh, is so pivotal in your Christian walk. And may I suggest that knowing who God is is the whole point of your Christian walk, your relationship with him. So what is it like to be lost in wonder? Because that's the title of today's uh, message, Lost in Wonder. And so in the wonder of God, uh, is that's being in his presence. So before I start that, have you ever been around people who only come to you when they need something? Isn't that great? Oh, it's like, what do you want now? Like, and they only come to you when you, they want something. And they never ask how you're doing, they, but they will spill out their whole life to you. Yeah, I mean, you kind of almost don't need to be there for this conversation. And so, but isn't that sometimes how we do life with God? We forget that God is a person. And this is how we respond, interact, and how we do relationship with God. But you know what? You know, a lot of us, you know, long for healthy relationships. And, and that's how God created us. But some of us, you know, I know for me, for longest time, I struggled with, you know, being awkward in relationships and, and how to do relationships. And sometimes if you've grown up in a dysfunctional home, doing relationships in a healthy manner where you're, you know, you actually care about the other person and what they think and you're, you know, it's not just all about you. Sometimes you've been raised in, in an environment that's like that because it's been generation of generation that had to fend for themselves who were in survival mode. And so it what didn't allow for you to develop healthy view of relationships or even how healthy relationships function. So and then so and then you find how it's just difficult to do relationships and then you don't understand why people are don't, you know, want to be around you or tend to go towards you or or you feel that rejection from people because when we respond in that way, when we make it all about us when you know if you're only coming to people for what you what you need or if you're only coming to people to tell you them your stories it doesn't make it very appealing for, for you to be around them it doesn't make it very appealing for them to have you around because it's like okay well you know they're not interested in my life all of us long for someone to be interested in our life all of us long for someone to care about what we're going through and who are attentive to us. That's, that's that connection need. We were created to connect. And so when that is broken, it seems like, like, our, like life is just so much more difficult. And then we feel that loneliness. We can be surrounded by people, but feel such tremendous loneliness. And so for me, in my relationship with God, you know, I sought I sought what God could give me 
instead of seeking close relationship with him. And I know I've mentioned this before, but Pastor Mona had kind of confronted me on this issue. She said, you, saw, you seek the gift and not the gift giver. When I was sick, I just wanted healing. But and when I went to God, it wasn't about my relationship with him. It wasn't to relate or to connect with him. It was just to get my needs met in that time. And so in, in, I asked things of God. And I asked God to give me what I wanted so that I could, like Doug talked about, so I could measure up to that level of success that the world gives. And so I'd ask God to give me things so that I could fulfill that success. And that's never what God intended to. Because God has so much more for us than that. But that so much more is what our hearts really long for. And that that is to connect. Because that is what was broken in the garden. That, was, that is what was severed in the garden, is was that connection to God. And so I had no regard for God himself and only what he could do for me. I would sing his praises, serve him faithfully, yet was broken into the idea that this level of relationship we had, I was settling for that. Like God is there, and I was okay with that because that's all I knew. But God wanted so much more for me. God wanted to connect with me. I mean, that's why he died on the cross for us. So today I want to talk to you, and that's, this is the wonderful thing about the Bible, is that God gives us examples, and he gives us insight and through stories and through the history and through the people that have gone through, walked with him in the Bible. And today I want to talk to you about Moses. And this is a man who discovered the wonder of God and he, he got a taste of who God was and he longed for more. And so like, Doug, like Doug was talking about last week, you know, when it comes to measuring success, in, in the light of this world where Moses was growing up, now he, you know, his mother put him in a basket, the Pharaoh's daughter rescued him, so he was raised in the courts of the king. He was given the best education. He had access to all kinds of riches. So he had money. He had influence. He had education. He had status. So in the light of all that the world has to offer, he had it. But yet something cried in deeper within his heart. And he said, you know, and he saw his brothers suffering and he decided to take matters into his own hands. And he saw the failure and the shortcomings of his own wisdom and of his own actions. And what that caused for Moses was for him to run away and spend many years, many, many years in the desert as a shepherd. So all his prestige was stripped away by his fears and his failures. You know, what, that's what happens with the success of this world. It can be taken away. So if you find your identity in these things, if you find your sense of worth, your sense of security, all of that can be stripped away. But no one can take away our God from us. And that's why we can trust in our God, because he never leaves. He never moves. He is unchanging. He is the beginning and the end. He is faithful and constant and powerful and sovereign. So sometimes God allows us to lose everything 
so that we can find everything that really matters, namely himself. And I remember going through that journey of my life where this is where I found my identity was in serving others. You know, I found my sense of safety, and that's how I did relationships with people. But it was such a superficial level of relationship with others. And honestly, to be quite honest with you, I didn't enjoy and delight in people's presence. Because it was always a job that was before me, a task that was before me so that I could feel safe and secure. And so I served others, and I did it well. Because that's, you know, I was, you know, that was one area where I performed well and serving and giving my life. And it looked all good and fancy. And it looked like good self-sacrifice. It looked very, very, and you know, righteous. But my righteousness fell short because it was empty. And so I just want to, so, you know, we see uh, all, everything that Moses goes through. He has his burning bush experience. After he's been stripped away from everything, he, he finds God in, in the desert calling him by name. And that is the beginning experience that Moses has with God, his encounter with God. And you know what? He didn't have the Bible. So the audible word of God was that that was his starting point, what God spoke to him. Sometimes we, we see the word of God as, you know, and, and we want to meditate and renew our minds, but we see it almost like a magical formula. If I just kind of like say these words over and over again, maybe my life will change. But it's not about the words. It's about the author behind the words. It is about who speaks the words over us. And, and so Moses had this encounter, totally undeserving because he didn't have the cross. He understood that he was a failure. He understood where he was at, his weakness. And in his weakness, he discovered God's great love and compassion for him. And so we see in this story, we're, we're going to be we're going to be going to Exodus um, 33, chapter 12 to 23. In this part of the story, Moses has gone back to Egypt and they've, had, they've gone through the 10 plagues. God delivers them. They cross the Red Sea. And now he's, he's about to lead this people. You know, God calls him to lead them to, uh, the, land of, to the, the promised land. But you see, before he's, he continues his journey, Moses understands that he needs someone much greater than him to lead this people. See, Moses already knows his limitations. And he recognizes God as all-knowing and knowing much better than him and also more powerful than him. Sometimes we don't go to God because we think we know best. We are not convinced yet that God knows better. And so we don't seek him and we don't ask him and we don't wait for an answer. You see, Moses spent a very long time. Actually, he spent so much time, they thought that he was dead. He's like, is he coming back? You know, but Moses was ready to take that time because he was real, willing to wait for God because he knew that he, nothing he could do could amount to the level that God could, well, what God could do. I'm just going to read, just kind of just survey the passage really quickly with you. Just, I don't want to read everything, but I do want to take time for us to really uh, discover just what that moment was between Moses and God, because it's a very it's it Moses. It's amazing because Moses takes the time to describe this intimate encounter that he had with God, and I do believe that you know he wanted the people to know 
who, who, the God, who God was that they were following. So he took time to write this down. So he, it says here uh, in verse 12, he says, Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom, will, whom you will send with me. And because God in the previous verse says, I'll send an angel with you, you're not going to be alone. He says, Okay, well, you didn't specify who specifically is coming. I'm not going anywhere <laughs> like without your guidance because I know that I can't do this. And then he says, Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found grace in my sight. And I think this is the key starting point where Moses starts in his conversation with God. Okay, I, I just want to make sure that we're on the same page, God. Okay, you said that you're going to send. Did you mention already who you're sending? I want to make sure that I'm not leaving this place without you. But I know that I can ask you these things because you have already said to me. That was his word. You have already said to me, I know you by name. And I have also found great you have also found grace in my sight. So God was saying, you know what? I we're on a first name basis here, you and I. I want you to know that I know you and I care about you. And this I I want you to know that where our relationship is at. And that you have found favor. So when I look at you, I'm not judging you for all your past mistakes. I'm not judging you for all your past failures. I see you with favor. And that's how, that's the intimacy that Moses had. He was not perfect, as we get to see, you know, later on in history. He made his fair share of mistakes. But he got to discover who God was. And I think that the greatest, the greatest truth to understand, you know, and what, when it comes to grace, is when we understand, we get to understand who God is when we know what he thinks of us, what his character is like, that he's trustworthy, and that we can come to him. You won't go to someone whom you feel judged by. And if that's their perception of God because of all your past experiences, because you know what? You know, when you get saved, there's no delete button to all the, the programming that you've been through from, a child, from childhood. That takes renewing of your mind. That takes God cleansing you from all the messages, negative messages that you've gone. But you know what? That doesn't go by itself. Those areas, those messages need to be surrendered to the cross and replaced with the truth of who God is. And so this is what the basis, see Moses wasn't going with all the history that he had gone through. He's going with the history of what God said. Okay, you know what? I'm asking you these things because you have said, that you know me by name. Okay, that means that you care very intimately about me. And also that you, when you look at me, you're not looking at me with disappointment. You're not looking at me with anger. You're not looking at me with frustration or rejection. You've, I found favor in your sight. And see, Moses really, really needed to understand this because, you see, the, where the Egyptian society had rejected him, his own people and family often turned against him. He knew that he had found an undeserving, intimate relationship with someone far greater, far better, far holier, far more important than him. See, he would need to have a solid foundation because 
Over and over and over again, the people would question him. If he found his identity in his leadership style, let me tell you, he would not have gone very far in the desert. And the people would have gone right back. He had to stand on a much more solid foundation. And that became the basis for his decisions and the direction that he would take because he knew that God loved him. He did not find his acceptance in all his education. He didn't find his acceptance in his family members. He didn't find his acceptance in his position because it would, have, it would be questioned over and over and over again. Even his own brother and sister would turn against him at moments. And so that's why he needed to know that intimate, have that intimate relationship. And I do believe that that's why Moses waited upon God. Because he understood, he got a taste of understanding what the love of God was and his sustaining power was. And in verse 13, we see from that what he knows, he now knows of his relationship with God, Moses draws in a little closer and recognizes now that his own leadership, his own wisdom is lacking and his requests. And he requests God guidance. So in verse 13, he says, Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you. See, Moses wasn't satisfied with just what he had previously learned from God. He says, I want to know how you're thinking. I want to know what direction, like what direction you want me to take, because in that I will get to know you better and more deeply. And that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he puts back the, the, the responsibility back on God. He's like, these are not, they're not mine, they're yours. I, I need help because, I mean, these people belong to you. I want you to consider these people belong to me. I'm not taking up this charge on my own shoulders because I can't carry this. I can't carry these people. And, he, and that's where kind of he understands what belongs to him and what belongs to God. And so he's not crossing any boundaries. God, this is, these people, they belong to you. They don't belong to me. But I do want to know how you think. I want to know what your, what your plan is because I want to know you personally. It wasn't just about knowing God's plans to make his life better or easier, but it was also because he wanted to know more of who God was. And in verse 14, God grants his request. And he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And there's rest when we're not carrying the load on our own shoulders. When we have that connection, that relationship. You know, a lot of our anxieties, and I know that for me, if I don't spend time with people for a very long time, my anxieties and my depression level will go up. I don't know if you guys have experienced that during COVID when you're living by yourself. (laughs) We need people, but we need God even more. And so in verse 15 and 16, you know, because Moses has discovered God's heart, God has called them as a people to make a difference in this world. So he's recognizing this isn't just for our own benefit, but this is about, God, your reputation and how you will be known amongst the nations. And so he says, he says in, in verse 15, 16, in 16, he says, he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. 
He says, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except if you go with us? He's saying, you know, just being a believer by name alone is not enough. I need the indwelling presence. And they didn't have the inside dwelling, but they had the dwelling presence of God in their midst. And that is where their power lied. They knew, he understood that it was not in human effort. It wasn't because they were better than others. Because God had chosen them. No, he understood that the whole value laid in who God was and who God is. And so what we've been learning over, over the last few weeks in our Bible study is just so in line with this. Because what sets us apart is not that we're better than others as believers or Christians. It's not because we're a higher breed of human being. who <laughs> Definitely not. Or that we live according to a higher moral code. That's not what sets us apart. It's not because we're nicer people. No, the difference is what sets us apart is that we are alive in Christ. Is that we have that connection. Being alive means that we are now in union with Christ. What was severed in the garden is now reconnected because of Jesus. And we have his indwelling life within us. That's what sets us apart. We're not better human beings. Trust me or not, the difference is, is the indwelling presence of God. He is the difference, and he alone. And so in verse 18, then, you know, Moses goes a little further. He says, okay, please show me your way that I may know you. And then he says, I want to know your glory. He says, please show me your glory. And, you know, for some of us who have grown up, who have been raised, you know, in church and because of some teachings, you know, whether legalism or prosperity or, or, um, or even just manifest, the manifestation movement, movements, you know, the whole goal behind, you know, those, those movements in those times is uh, experiencing the glory of, of the Lord was a movement that had your emotions and senses involved in feeling God's presence. And that was kind of like the focus. But then the focus of the glory of the Lord became people became us. It's all about feeling my need. But you lo they lost sight of what the actual glory of the Lord is. And that in that, the focus was all about the experience and not the person. And so Moses' request was not for a display of God's power or even the warmth of his presence, but he hungered for something more. Moses wanted an intimate knowledge of God himself. And that is why God hid Moses in the cleft of the rock and manifested his glory. And what that was, was the fullness of his person, his character, the one who is compassionate, gracious, and just. And so this is what we see. And I just, if we can go, if you can follow with me in Exodus 33, 19 and 23, 19 to 23 says, then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. He says, so that's, that's part of the glory of the Lord, is understanding his, the fullness of his character. And where he, where he starts with his character is my goodness. I want you to understand my goodness. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I want you to know me by name. I want you to know what to call me. And that's that intimacy with God. And then he says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So God is declaring his graciousness and his compassion. 
And then he says, But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock, and so it shall be when my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. And God's saying, I will be, excuse me, your covering. God is encompassing just all of who his nature and character is. And as it takes time to develop that intimate fellowship with God, sometimes we're so preoccupied with our own lives that we lose sight of who God is and the whole point of the gospel. You know, Jeremiah 9, 24 says, But let him who glories, glories in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. God wants you to know that he is the standard of love. He is the standard of justice, and he is the standard of righteousness. And he, for in these I find delight. And I read this quote by John Eldridge, and it's, I didn't put the whole quote there, but I just put the ending. But he said, something awful has happened, something terrible, something worse even than the fall of man. For in that greatest of all tragedies, we merely lost paradise, and with it everything that made life worth living. What, ha- what happened since is unthinkable. He says, we've gotten used to it. We have gotten used to walking in darkness and not in the light of God's presence and his character and his nature. He says, we're broken into the idea that this is just the way things are. The people who walk in great darkness have just adjusted their eyes. And so we settle, as I settled for the level of relationship that I had with God, not experiencing the greater glory of his presence. And, and so, in the, and I got this quote actually in the book from uh, Neil Anderson, and he says, you know, they have grown accustomed to the darkness and find it difficult to believe that they are indeed accepted by their creator. Some people have just accepted settled for that, that feeling, settled, settled for that belief that's still within them, that message that still impacts how they do life. They have, they're not fighting off this lie. They're not, they're not exposing or renewing or, or seeking after for God to break this in them. But you know what? That has not gone away. Just because you've accepted Jesus, that message has not gone away. That's, this is a message that the world gives us. God wants to renew and give you freedom, and there's so much freedom when you understand your identity in God, when you understand who God is and his character and his nature and how just and fair and, and loving he is. And what he sees, do you know that when God looks at you, he looks at you with favor? If we understood that, how it would impact our lives, how it would change how we respond to others, and how it would change how we enjoy life, 
how it would change how we walk in our giftings as God created us to be. But because we've settled for the darkness, we never get to experience the fullness of God and we never get to experience the fullness of who he created us to be. And you know what? The world doesn't get to experience it either. And that's why Moses said, I won't go anywhere if you're not with me. I, won't, I, I will not lead this people anywhere that you're not. We need God. We need his presence. We need to understand how loved we are. We need to understand that we find favor in his sight because of Jesus, not because of anything that we've merited. And so Jesus died on the cross and rose again to give us union again with God. And that's what we lost in the garden. We lost that deep connection that we long for. They had uninterrupted connection and union with God. And spiritual death meant not having that connection any longer. And we have become accustomed to being disconnected from God. Jesus died on the cross and rose again, not just to give you a place to land when you die, not just to give you blessings and help you out in life. No, Jesus died on the cross, not even just to purify his creation and then dismiss and disregard them. No, it was to restore what had been lost in the garden, and that was deep connection with God, relationship. And we see in scripture that Moses had received God's promise. Yes, he had seen God's power and been guaranteed God's presence, but Moses wanted God's person. Not just the gift, but the gift giver. And I've been reading just a, a, a devotional by Oswald Chambers on the subject of, of joy. We all know that utmost for his highest, but I really have been enjoying this. It's very short devotions on joy, and he says... What God created is a satisfaction to God. But until we come to know him, there is a great deal in his creation we just shrug our shoulders over. So what he's saying is that we don't even get to enjoy what God has created. We don't even get to enjoy what God has given us because we are so dissatisfied. When you are truly connected to God, you get his heart and then you get to enjoy. He enjoys the creation that he has made. And then you get to enjoy. And I can tell you now that now that I find my identity in God, it's not perfect, but the, the greater I know my identity in God, the more I enjoy people. The more I delight in people around me. And the more I enjoy the very things that I have. And the discontentness and all everything that the world claims for success, you know, the standards, you know, career and all those things are empty as Paul says you know he says I I put away all those things they're not worth it anymore really what's worth it is Christ because in him when I truly know him I have his heart I get to see life in a different light and I get to enjoy the beauty that is around me in people and in the blessings that he has already given me in that place where I was in darkness, when I walked in darkness, I could not enjoy everything that he had already given me. I always longed for more, not even recognizing what I had. And so he says here, once we come to understand God, 
we are delighted with his creation as he is himself. A child enjoys what God created. Everything is wonderful to him. So as we grow closer to God, we begin seeing life from his perspective. And all that we have been running after loses its appeal. And we discover greater joy. I used to take this scripture so out of context in Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. In my mind, I'm like, okay, if I give my whole life to God, if I serve him, you know, sweat and toil, then he'll give me all that I want. But that's not what that scripture means. When you find delight in God, you you actually discover what your heart has been longing for all this time, and then you start seeking after the right things, that which brings you true joy, what your heart truly desires. My question for you today is, as I finish, and then I'm going to be asking uh, just uh, Chrissy and Sarah to come and just to play that song, I Stand in Awe. I stand in awe. My question to you is, what are you living for? And is it worth living for? You know, what is your focus day in and day out? Have you ever had the opportunity of being lost in his wonder, the wonder of his nature and his character? You know, Pastor Wilkerson, in, in, in his book, uh, just about the new covenant, he he mentions the verse in Psalm twenty five fourteen. He says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. God wants to develop friendship with you. You know, he says, you know, he says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. God wants to develop that intimate fellowship. And as we listen to the song, I want you to take that time to ponder as to where your relationship with God is. What have been the things that have so consumed your mind and crowded the delight, the blessing, the honor of communing with God? And so God is not angry at you today. God is calling you to something so much greater. Hallelujah. I want to finish with this illustration actually from Erica's life. For all those that did not know, several years ago she had a somewhat of a burnout and she had come to my place after the second year and she submitted to God's will to come and I just want to show you, you know, what does it look like to get to know God? What does it look like? Sometimes we just make it so complicated, so big and, and so difficult at times. And I remember I get up every morning and I brought her into my home knowing that the assignment was that God wanted to restore her. And I usually don't look to things. I just let God do what he needs to do. And so she got up. I never asked her to get up in the morning. She'd get up with me and, and get her coffee, go into the living room, and I'd be in my sitting area. And after several weeks, I would see her come into my my sitting area and sitting on the chair opposed me, you know, across from me, and I'd go, oh, Lord, this is my time with you, and God said, be quiet, be still. 
And so she would come and join me there. We'd say nothing. She'd have her time reading the word. I'd be reading my word. We'd be going, trying to get to know God together. I said nothing. She said nothing. A few weeks would go by. She was on the couch. I went, okay, God. But little by little, she was showing me how she wanted to delight in the Lord. And so she would sit there, and a few more weeks would go by, and all of a sudden I felt a presence right beside me. And I turned around, I went, Erica, why are you sitting beside me? She said, because I just want to know what you're writing in your journal. And it just, I just dawned on me today, that's what it is to start seeking and knowing God. You know, we start afar and we come back and little by little, she found her place. We even know that we see this physically, spiritually, that's how we do it. You know, don't complicate it. Come to God little by little. And as she came to discover who God was, she discovered the gift giver and she received the gift of healing and restoration. And that's what God wants to do for you. Get to know him and the wonder of his love for you as she has. And you will discover as she has how faithful he is. Father, ask, I ask this morning, Lord, that you just let us learn how to delight in you that we push back everything that distracts us and we just take that time to just come and develop the wonder of who you are in our lives. Lord, I pray for an opening. I pray for a spirit of understanding and wisdom upon your people. And I pray for a blessing of your presence. Thank you for your word this morning. We ask, Lord, that you would go with your people with courage and boldness, Lord, that you would just cause them to want to know who you are intimately. In Jesus' name I pray.